Hello everyone and welcome to Tea with Coco. I am Coco like Chanel. I recently got back from an absolutely lovely European holiday with my husband Charles and my dog Belle. We went to both France and Italy and I talk a lot about French culture on this podcast and on my blog CocoLikeChanel.com because I just associate so many of my personality traits and loves with the French culture. My mother, on the other hand, loves the Italian culture. She really identifies very strongly with Italian women. I think it has something to do with showing love through food and kindness and just reverence through passing down of recipes, quality of ingredients, and their overall love of having a full family in the same house. So when I went to Italy, I wasn't thinking I was going to take as much away as I always do when I go to France and am reminded how much their lifestyle is akin to what my deepest manifest destiny desire uh, for my life would be achieving that balance. There's something that happens as soon as you step off the plane there. Maybe it's like taking a big breath, but you relax and you're able to put things in perspective. You're able to turn your phone off, not have it on the table. You're able to really find a balance that is so difficult to in the U.S. And and perhaps it's because everybody around you is as well. But in going to Italy, we stayed in three or four different houses there while we were traveling. We didn't use any hotels. And I was able to go and and speak with a lot of the people. Having Belle with me, having my dog with me, really facilitated that. Being able to go into a shop and, and people thinking that you're more local than you are because you have a dog, you're almost in a club. And... I got to experience a few things that I hadn't experienced before, even traveling there as often as I did as a child because it was my mother's favorite, so we went quite often. Traveling with your family is different. Being there now as an adult and traveling in my own way was really eye-opening. A couple of the things that I did that I'm going to discuss today were new to me. I had gone wine tasting many times, but I had never gone olive oil tasting. And as I was sitting and listening to a mother and her daughter who owned the olive oil factory with their family, discuss how they operate their business, why they're situated where they are, it really struck me as this correlation between how they're running their business and how they live their life. And so I wanted to share that with you all. So here are the five things that I learned about quality, cooking, and love from Italian women. First off, ingredients. One of the things that strikes me as such a vast juxtaposition between the U.S. culture and the European culture, especially the Italian culture, is the emphasis that they put on ingredients. There is a very big movement, I think, to change that in the U.S. And people are becoming more and more 
concerned with the ingredients, but it's almost as if it's a status symbol. If you buy organic or if it's grass-fed, it doesn't necessarily have to do with the taste or supporting the locals that you have in your backyard. It's not a community or a necessarily taste quality issue. I feel like it's it's almost gotten this pompous meeting. Uh, and when you are curious about where your food comes from, there's been even SNL level skits done about how insane it would be to know everything down to that, you know, specificity, like where did your chicken come from? But it isn't like that in in most of the other countries, especially in Italy. This small family that we were traveling their orchards, their olive orchards, in, they own the olive production company, which presses cold-pressed olive, uh, olive oil, as well as a mill, and they produce flour, which was a complete surprise, but absolutely fascinating to go and still see the stone that their grandfather used 100 years ago in operation in their in their mill and when they were explaining about the quality that they use and what they will put on their label like with their label with their name on it their family's name that has been within this this region was incredible it had nothing to do with status it was not something that they were looking to get accolades about they had pride in it they felt a connection through their family and the generations to that land to the olives to understanding to seeing to smelling to tasting and reacting to them not the other way around i feel a lot of times like in business deals i have in the us the date is the 18th and all the other you know extenuating circumstances don't matter if we matter if we say the date is the 18th then it's going to happen on the 18th and with them when we were asking you know when do you pick the olives you know it all depends and rainfall and soil and looking at them smelling them tasting them they said they the olives are in charge. We're not in charge. They react to the land, which is reacting to the environment, the the wind, the rain, the sun. It was just beautiful way of thinking. Now, obviously, that won't work in all systems and walks of life. But to be that in touch with the land, it, it definitely mirrored documentaries I've seen about the wine regions in the south of France the people who have been there and have an identity, a family identity, a personal identity with the land and with the crop. It it was wonderful. And to produce the amount of olive oil that they want to every year, because it's a small family that owns it, they do buy olives from local farmers. And it has to exist within a certain region so that it's true to what they put on their label. That's very important to them. So they know and have known for many generations, I'm sure, all of the families that supply them olives. But that doesn't mean that they lower their standards. (laughs) So she said every morning they have farmers that come in and bring crops, different types of crops in, and they inspect them. And if it's 
not good enough for their standards. They let them still use the press and press it, but they will not put their label on it. It was it was wonderful to see. It was truly an experience to be there watching trucks come in and and see here's where it is and five feet over here it's the you know press and then you can go in and see the entire process of how they try to be respectful to the olive and to the work that goes into making a, a single one and where they store them, how they bottle them, the different qualities that can arise from them, the flavors that come from there. It was incredible to see the the pride that they had in their region and their crops and their ability to discern a good olive was was wonderful. The other thing that was constantly in the conversation while learning about this process and their particular brands of olives was the family connection. The mother and the daughter were giving us the tour as well as the tasting, which I cannot wait to describe to you. It's the best tasting I've ever been to of anything, including wine, which is incredible to say, but true. But the, they even had a friend working there and they said it, you know, it was like their daughter and, and she shared with us that she felt that way because of her connection to the land and the grapes and the family and the process that they partake in every day. It was just beautiful. It was a gorgeous representation of what supporting and being able to have locally sourced ingredients can mean and what it could look like and what it used to look like, what, what it used to be like. It was, it was absolutely wonderful. And inside the mom's behind the counter, she made the olive oil cake to give to all of the customers that come in. There were locals coming in to pick up their olive oil or pick up their flour because it was a mill as well. And, you know, the mom had made that cake this morning and Luckily, I was able to con the recipe out of her, which I will give at the end of this podcast as a little land yap for you guys. But it was incredible how many people will pick up, including myself previously, will think that know what they're talking about with olive oil, go and pick up a bottle of olive oil somewhere at the grocery store, seeing that it's, you know, quote, made in Italy and having no idea about the families that are behind those olive oils and what the differentiation between the regions can mean. When we were wine tasting in Italy and Chianti, it was a winery and a distillery, and they make lemoncino, which I had heard of lemoncello, which is from the south, where you basically put almost Everclear, very strong liquor, it's very strong, with lemons and uh, let it diffuse into that flavor and that becomes lemon jello it's, it's like a shot but you sip it and serve chilled it's it's very very good and they have lots of varieties um, melon and and we even sampled rose it was incredible but lemon jello is from the south they said because they do it slightly differently with the amount of sugar and lemoncino is from the north and it's a different name even though it's the same process because 
they want to take regional pride in what they have produced. So it, it was interesting just seeing those small points. And with olive oil that you get in Italy, it always has a regional marking just like wine does. And you can tell what region it has been in and where the grapes were grown. It, it was incredible to see that translate over into the cuisine area as well. So the the family that did this also served the locals and they said what we're really here to do is serve the locals and we're, you know, very grateful if other people are able to enjoy but what we want to do is continue to feed the families that are here and provide them the best olive oil we can. And that that feeling of family is incredible there. You, you don't want to leave. I, I had a hard time packing up and leaving because it's it was so warm and wonderful. And their knowledge and willingness to share was was incredible. So finally, we after touring and seeing the mill and seeing where the you know farmers bring the wheat in every morning, very similar to the olives and seeing um, how, they are shucked and how they turn into different types of flour for different types of uses one type for bread making one for pasta one for pizza Uh, just absolutely incredible breaking it down that small me even as a baker knowing that there was a few different varieties of wheat and they utilize them slightly different ways for making bread and a different mixture of whole wheat and flour, but very rarely have I considered the different uses and the different textures that result as that and how I could influence that by using a particular grade. Because normally what we see in the grocery store is, you know, all-purpose flour and then whole wheat flour, if we're lucky. And so seeing the different grades and really understanding what went into them was absolutely fascinating, especially for someone like me who loves to cook, loves to bake, and especially is interested in the gluten phenomenon within the U.S. Uh, We had Charles's, my husband's whole family there, and one of the little boys has a very severe gluten allergy in the United States. And I said, I bet if you go to Italy and try gluten, it's, you're not going to have a problem. And they were very tentative at first and gave him very small amounts. But by the end of the trip, he was eating a pizza and pasta. And it was incredible that because Europe has banned GMOs and their wheat germ was not altered, it's still a very true representation of what wheat used to be 20 years ago in the U.S. when we didn't have the gluten allergies coming up. So a personal anecdote, I'm not giving out doctoral (laughs) advice to people with celiacs or gluten intolerances, but it was very interesting uh, to see that case study in effect. So the final thing I wanted to talk about from them was a wonderful phrase I learned actually from a book um, written by Samin Nusrat called Bella Figura. And this book was written by a Iranian British woman who was having a hard time in London with the hustle and bustle of a high powered, high paying job and moved to Florence on a whim to write a book and learned about how to make things rosier and more beautiful which is obviously uh, as if your listeners to this are 
read the book that I published last year, How to Live a Romantic Life, then you'll know it's something that I try to concentrate on, finding beauty in the smallest arrangements. And bella figura literally translates to beautiful figure. So how do you make something beautiful? How do you take it as an opportunity to take something that could be mundane and turn it into something that makes you smile, something that is beautiful and enticing? And that is what the olive oil tasting was. This was like a family room. And they had this beautiful table set out with all the different things that they had personally made so that we could enjoy the olive oil to the most of its potential. And there are different olive oils that have different spicy levels and acidity levels based on age, based on the type of grape, and just like wine, the year, which was fascinating again, me having what I will now say is a very amateur knowledge of olive oil before and the accoutrement that they had the the pestos the whole garlics that had been you know soaked in olive oil the the peppers uh the chocolate olive oil it was absolutely gorgeous and it was a something that could have been like a simple here's some bread you put the olive oil in it and you're done but they they took it to another level of course they had wine because they said it's the most natural pairing and I also learned that because olive oil is so rich a lot of times you need an acid to almost cleanse your palate if you're tasting it or eating a lot of rich food which is why they say they have to have wine with dinner because they're usually eating something that's very oil uh, based because that is the Italian's version of the French butter, right? They, they use it and they use it liberally. And it's almost like a, a balsamic vinegar and olive oil com- you know, combination because red wine, of course, is very close to, to balsamic. So it was a opportunity that they took for us to have a very normal experience and tasting and made it a bella figura made it feel so special and so homey and like we were sitting in their living room and this was a tasting that i think was 25 euros a person i mean nothing but they took the same amount of time as if it had been a 500 dollars a person private booking because for them it, it was the same and for us the experience was one that i'll never forget and I will definitely recommend every person go to now and I will put the details at the end of the podcast so that you can look them up you can order online which was uh, shocked me and they had just gotten that up and running earlier this year they said uh, because I guess people like me had begged for it (laughs) so uh, I'm glad to see we've we've been able to uh extend that and use globalization for the good. It was truly a unique experience for a few reasons, but even me sitting there with my dog, who was there for the entirety of the tasting, and hearing the mama, the the mother, talk about how to be a good cook, it really takes nothing. All it takes is for you to buy the right ingredients. 
and she talked about how they don't have any produce flown in in Italy because the flight from wherever it is gives the fruit or vegetables jet lag and that's why you don't see things like avocados in the supermarket because they like to taste their home and I loved that idea of tasting your home of tasting the things that you smell in the air as you walk down the street and that you can feel and touch and see growing around you she said it's like your children you spend time cultivating them you spend time watching them grow you spend time worrying about if you've cooked them right and if they'll turn out and you definitely want to then be there to see the finished product the thing that you feel the most in italy more so than i would say any other country i had been in even even france is love and i think it's that focus on quality of time together quality of life a lot of other places focus on quality of enjoyment quality of self time quality of self-love self-pampering quality of work in germany (laughs) but quality of love was there and it actually took the front seat to a lot of other things that we tend to focus on in other cultures other metrics of success and i loved taking that away from from there as well as the delicious bottles of olive oil and flour that i and my husband heron carried back to the us we did get stopped at customs and they did inspect the bags of flour which i will admit 100 percent looked like bags of cocaine <laughs> but after joking Uh, and getting the all clear from the TSA officers. They all thought it was pretty cool that we had hand-carried flour back to the U.S. because I had to make pizza again and pasta with the flour that I had seen the mill churn. Very, very special. So I will leave you with a summary of the five things that I learned about quality cooking and love from Italian women. Ingredients, pride, family, bella figura, and make sure to balance your olive oil with your wine. The olive oil cake recipe. So for the olive oil cake, you need one cup of yogurt, two cups of sugar, three cups of flour, one half cup of olive oil, one teaspoon yeast, a little bit of lime zest to taste and powdered sugar for the topping. You mix all of the ingredients together in that order and then you bake for 40 minutes at 200 degrees Celsius, which is about 400 degrees Fahrenheit. It's actually 392 degrees Fahrenheit for the exact conversion. Of course, they were using Celsius because it was in Italy. So mess with it a little bit. And then let cool and dust the top with powdered sugar. The company that I've been talking about that created the olive oil, did the tour and owned the mill where they milled the flour is called Frantirio Moro. And you can actually go to their website, which is O-L-I-O-M-O-R-O dot 
it for Italy, not .com, obviously. And uh, that first word is just oil in Italian, and then the family name Moro, M-O-R-O. They've been there since 1954. You can read all about the generations that go through them. You can book your tours and tasting. The daughter's name is Laura. She speaks lovely English and she's the one that you can communicate with. If you are in the area, I highly recommend booking a olive oil tour with them and please tell them Coco sent you (laughs) and how much we enjoyed experiencing and learning from their family. The olive oil that I walked away with is called the Toscano, obviously being in Tuscany, and it was spicy and rich and absolutely delicious. Although I have to say the whole garlics that I got and the pesto that they sell in small jars, which are plain size friendly, are absolutely incredible. And you can't leave there without getting your whole thing of flour. (laughs) And I've definitely used it. I can tell you pasta has never tasted so good in the U.S. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Tea with Coco. I am Coco like Chanel. Until next time, laissez le bon temps relais and have a great day.